Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Thank you all so much for being patient, and we are just going to jump right in for part two of Robert and Natalie Wood Wagner. You ready, Daniel? Yep. All right. This is Robert Wagner's version of what happened that night. At 10 p.m., they took the dinghy called the Prince Valiant back to the Splendor. All four adults were in the salon, and RJ opened another bottle of wine. RJ and Christopher began getting into a heated discussion about politics and Natalie's career. Chris thought that it was time for Natalie to make a big comeback and begin acting in more films. RJ told Chris to mind his own business and that her priority should be her family. Even aggressively breaking a bottle of wine on the table. Natalie got upset and I'm sure embarrassed and went down to the master stateroom, which was located at the back of the boat. What's the back of the boat called? The stern. The stern. Okay. Christopher went upstairs to the top of the yacht to get some fresh air. RJ followed. They both calmed down and talked it out. Chris walked down the stairs to the salon and down another few steps to his cabin towards the bow of the boat. After 11 p.m., RJ went down to the master stateroom to find Natalie, but she was not there. RJ looked all around the Splendor but couldn't find her. He noticed that the dinghy was not tied up to the swim ledge located on the back of the boat, about five feet from the master stateroom's back door. RJ did not hear the dinghy start. Nor did he think that Natalie would have gone in the dinghy that late at night by herself since she was not a boater and was not comfortable in dark water. Instead of alerting the authorities, RJ decided to go looking for her. RJ called a shore boat and took it to the restaurant, hoping to see the dinghy tied up in a slip, but she and the dinghy were not there. RJ made it back to the Splendor around 1.30 a.m. and then called the cove manager, who called the harbor master, who called the shore patrol, who then called the Coast Guard. Wow, that's quite a series of calls. Yes. Okay, the second version is that of Marilyn Wayne. Marilyn Wayne, her boyfriend John Payne, and Marilyn's son were on a sailboat named the Capricorn about 40 yards away from the Splendor on that fateful night. They were all asleep when John woke up to a woman screaming for help. John then woke up Marilyn and she heard a woman screaming, help me, please, someone help me. I'm drowning. Marilyn called out to her son to look at the time on his new digital watch. It was a little after 11 p.m. John turned on the sailboat's beam light and shined it on the area where they were hearing the screams. It was too dark for them to see anything. They continued to call the Harbor Patrol, but no one answered. They then called the sheriff's office in Avalon and had been told that a helicopter would be sent out, but it never came. They then heard a man's voice say, oh, hold on, we're coming to get you. The cries for help stopped. The entire ordeal lasted roughly 15 minutes. They returned to bed and found out what had happened the next morning. Marilyn and the other witnesses were never formally interviewed and even claimed to being threatened by a big Hollywood celebrity if she spoke further. 
Sources say it was Frank Sinatra or President Ronald Reagan. What? Who some say kept the investigation from pointing to RJ. This kept Marilyn quiet for decades. Wow. Yeah. Ronald Reagan was president at the time that she died. Right. And RJ was a huge supporter and they had kind of grown up together in the film industry. Right. So they were good friends. Yeah, Yeah, because he starred in tons of movies. Yeah. Okay, so the third version is that of Captain Dennis Devern. This is taken from his 2011 statements from his book titled Goodbye, Natalie, Goodbye, Splendor. Cool. When they got back to the Splendor, RJ opened another bottle of wine. They all continued to drink, and Dennis gave them each quaaludes. Ooh. Dennis put on the kettle for Natalie's nightly cup of tea. RJ and Christopher began arguing about Natalie. RJ even admitting to not trusting Natalie and Christopher together. RJ smashed the bottle of wine on the table and screamed out, What are you trying to do? F my wife? Natalie got up and went to her master stateroom and Christopher went down into his stateroom. RJ and Dennis cleaned up the glass and RJ went into the master stateroom with Natalie. Dennis heard them fighting. Suddenly, it went quiet. Dennis entered the master stateroom, and they were not in there. Dennis then walked through the room to the back door that led out to the swim step. He found RJ at the back of the boat, sweaty and and disheveled. RJ told Dennis he could not find Natalie, then told Dennis to go look for her. Dennis looked all around the boat and couldn't find her. He then noticed the dinghy was missing. In the six years of working on the Splendor, Natalie never took the dinghy out alone. Dennis tried to talk RJ into calling for help, but he refused to till around 1.30 a.m., almost two hours after Natalie had gone missing. Dennis believes that RJ hit Natalie in the head and knocked her unconscious, then dressed her in the down red jacket knowing it would be very heavy when wet, and pushed her into the water, then untying the dinghy so it looked like Natalie had taken it to shore. Ouch. Yeah, but we all know that that down jacket did not sink. Right. It actually kept her afloat. Right. Mm-hmm. Dennis talks about it only being a short time that they went quiet, like a very short time before he went into the room. Right, right. I think it would have taken a while to murder Natalie, go into the cabin to retrieve her jacket, dress her in the coat, throw her off the swim step, and then untie the boat. Plus, that would be someone who's very clear-headed, and it sounds like RJ and Christopher Walken were already drinking a lot, and he was agitated. Yeah. Plus, he wasn't mad at her. They everyone agreed they were the ones arguing. Yes, it was. Oh no, it was Christopher and RJ were arguing. Right, and then RJ went into the stateroom with Natalie, and then they began arguing. Right. So I don't think that's enough time. No. To do all of that in the short amount of time, it sounded like Dennis said that they had that. That although seem the possible. nearby the nearby boat there account was that they heard her screaming and then heard someone say, I'm coming to get you. And then it went quiet. Right. And I'll go more into that. Okay. Um, in a little bit. But and Dennis never says that. 
Dennis never says that he heard her screaming out for help. Right. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Somebody's not telling the truth. No. Let's talk about the dinghy. The inflatable motorized dinghy, the Prince Valiant, was found lodged in a small cove at Blue Cavern Point about half a mile from Isthmus Cove. Natalie's body was later found about 200 yards from the dinghy. The key was in the off position. The gear was in neutral. Oars were tied down. The tank was full of gas. The dinghy's headlight was not working. They had to use a flashlight to light their way back and forth across the water. The seats in the dinghy were dislodged and fresh scratches were found inside and outside on the starboard side of the dinghy. Everyone agreed that Natalie would never have taken that dinghy out alone. Natalie had an extreme sensitivity to noise and had a hard time sleeping. Many nights she would ask RJ or Dennis to tie the dinghy tighter because she could hear it banging against the swim step that was in mere feet of their stateroom's wall where their bed was. I can see where that would be annoying. I can 100% relate to that because I'm very sensitive to noise. So that would drive me nuts. And number one, she's pissed at RJ. She's pissed. Okay. The dinghy is hitting the side, making annoying sounds so she can't sleep. And all she wants to do is sleep and, you know, start a new day the next day. So I'm thinking that she just thinks like, screw them. I'll just do it myself. Right. I'm not going to ask any one of these jerk off men (laughs) to tie this boat. I'm just going to do it myself. Why not? Right. So she put on the jacket because it's cold. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the coat. Right. And, And she doesn't really have much else on. No. And then just a long nightgown and wool socks. Right. Mm-hmm. But then that's my other question is when you go onto that swim ledge and it was, a, I guess it was a really calm night. Yeah. But the swim ledge is pretty close to the water. I would not want my wool socks getting wet. So I don't think I would wear wool socks. I think I would have taken my socks off. Yeah. And they'd probably be slippery. Yeah. Okay. So but, that, or, but then maybe, I don't know. I know. Natalie's autopsy was done by medical examiner to the stars, Thomas Noguchi. He did Marilyn Monroe's autopsy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Natalie Wood's autopsy results came back in less than 48 hours. Noguchi held a press conference and stated that Natalie's death was not the result of foul play, but that of an accidental drowning. There's been many people have said that Noguchi was easily bought and was intentionally careless for politically motivated reasons in both the deaths of Natalie Wood and Marilyn Monroe. Well, everyone has their price. They do. You say that a lot. And I it's do because so it's true. true. Mm-hmm. Natalie had bruises on her head, arms, and front and back of her legs. She had a superficial abrasion by her temple near her left eye in an upward trajectory and an abrasion above the left eyebrow. There was a significant bruise on her right forearm, bruising on her lower legs and knees. Also, Natalie's bladder was full of urine. She had 300 cc's, which is a very large amount. Sounds like it. Why this is so important is because when a person drowns, they release the contents of their bladder. 
Really? Since Natalie's was full, that means she was unconscious before she went in that water. But her lungs had seawater in them, which means she was breathing when she went in. So she was not dead. She was more than likely unconscious. Huh. Isn't that fascinating? Yes. I had no idea that you release the contents of your bladder when you are drowning. It's that's just, just that's, fascinating. That is interesting. And why your body would automatically do that. Yeah. There has to be a reason. Okay. And okay, so if she had a full bladder, mm-hmm. that means she was drinking a lot. She was. Mm-hmm. And probably not water. No, 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 no. So her blood alcohol level was 0.14. Yeah. And she was not a large person. She was teeny tiny. So teeny tiny people, a lot of alcohol. I mean, plus whatever else she probably was taking at the time. Well, she was taking eight prescriptions at the time of her death. What? Including Darvon. Darvin? Yeah, it's Darvin. Sure. A painkiller. Antivert which combats nausea and seasickness, Dalmain, which is a heavy sleeping narcotic. Oh, my gosh. But quaaludes were not found in her system. Right. So strike one, Mr. Dennis. Okay, so you mix all that with a ton of alcohol? Yeah. I'm surprised she could even walk. I, I don't. Yeah, me too. All right, I think I already know what's what okay. happened, in my opinion. <laughs> all right, well, analysis of stomachs. Ugh. Analysis of stomach contents placed Natalie's death around 12 a.m. The lifeguard on duty, Roger Smith, who found Natalie's body, had stated that her hands were still pliable when he lifted her onto the rescue boat, which to him meant that she had not been dead long since it takes four hours for rigor mortis to set in. But the extremely cold water of the Pacific Ocean can slow that process down significantly. Nice. Yeah. And the average temperature in November in Catalina, I believe, was like 56 to 62, something like that. Yeah. Like, it's not warm. Yeah. It's actually never warm. That water is never warm. It, it's warmer. It's warmer during Around the Catalina. Right. Yeah, like, August, I think, is when they have I think the that's warmest, the high point. Yeah, the warmest water. Yeah, and then it drops yeah. off. The medical examiner never scraped Natalie's fingernails, which have proved which would have proven if those scratch marks on the dinghy were from her. Gotcha. He, oh, he never scraped her fingernails. That is so annoying. Okay, to but me. where else would the scratches have come from? Exactly. I mean, but that's... it would have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was the one that she was did alive the trying to get into yes, it or exactly. doing something with it. Yes. Natalie's original cause of death was accident. Her manner of death was drowning. Robert Wagner was never formally interrogated or interviewed and immediately lawyered up after returning to Los Angeles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have some questions, of course. Okay. Where was Christopher Walken during all of this? Was he asleep? There's no way he could have slept through any of that. He has actually corroborated RJ's accounts of that night. Chris has only spoken publicly of that night twice. And I have some quotes from okay. him. Mm-hmm. He also was probably taking some pills along with a bunch of alcohol. 
Probably. I, seri- I mean, he was younger. I, I seriously doubt he was nice and sober. No, you're probably. Bur- yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm sure he was on something and he was drinking heavily as well. But they were saying that they each had searched the boat. So if I was Robert Wagner, I'd be like, is she in there with him? Did she go into his room? That's true. Yeah. So he would have gone in there looking for her. Yeah. Or maybe um, they just say that to kind of save face because, you know, who who's going to say, oh, no, I didn't bother looking for her because I was hammered. Yeah. You know, but That's anyway, true. whatever. Okay. So in 1986, Christopher Walken gave an, a little bit of an interview to People Magazine. Okay. okay. He said, quote, I don't know what happened. She slipped and fell in the water. I was in bed then. It was a terrible thing. Look, we're in a conversation I won't have. It's an effing bore. Wow. Yeah, he was pissed. (laughs) Okay, and then he did an interview with Playboy magazine. Cool. Okay. Anybody there saw the logistics of the boat, the night, where we were, that it was raining, and would know exactly what happened. You hear about things happening to people. They slip in the bathtub, fall down the stairs, step up, step off the curb in London because they think that the cars come the other way, and they die. You feel you want to die making an effort at something. You don't want to die in some unnecessary way. What happened that night, only she knows because she was alone. She had gone to bed before us and her room was at the back. A dinghy was bouncing against the side of the boat, and I think she went out to move it. There was a ski ramp that was partially in the water. It was slippery. I had walked on it myself. She had told me she couldn't swim. In fact, they had to cut a swimming scene from Brainstorm. She was probably half asleep, and she was wearing a coat. Okay, and then in in the year 2000, a Vanity Fair article came out, and they quoted him as saying, The people who are convinced that there was something more to it than what came out in the investigation will never be satisfied with the truth because the truth is there is nothing more to it. It was an accident. Wow. Yeah. That's from Christopher Walken. Okay. So it wasn't really raining (laughs) that night. It was more misty. Right. And yes, the swim step was slippery for sure. So maybe that's why she was wearing her wool socks. Gotcha. Because they might actually stick better than barefoot. Probably. So this is my opinion, of course. Okay. Christopher Walken had nothing to lose or gain by lying about what happened to Natalie. The only reason to cover up for RJ would be out of fear. But Christopher Walken became a much bigger and powerful Hollywood player than RJ ever was. So Why would he lie? That's true. I mean, people know who Christopher Walken is more than they know who Robert Wagner is. Right. He he had no reason to lie about what happened or to try to protect RJ in some way. Right. Okay. As much as the death of Natalie Wood is a Hollywood tragedy, we must remember that two little girls lost their mom that night. And she had a stepdaughter from, or like a bonus daughter from Robert Wagner. Right. And she had other children that she kind of took into the family. Right. So all of these kids and all of these people lost this bright light in their life. So Natasha was 11 and Courtney was only seven. Oh, geez. Yeah. 
Robert Wagner became Natasha's full-time guardian after Natalie died, raising her as his own. It's sad to think what Natalie could have done in the prime of her career. Natalie Wood was a Hollywood icon. She was the first female to get equal billing alongside her male co-stars. She fought for better pay and better working conditions. Natalie taught other women the art of the contract. She made her mental health a priority and always had it written in her movie contract that a few times a week she would see her therapist for an hour. Natalie was in talks to produce and possibly direct future films. Brainstorm was eventually released in September of 1983. Natalie had had completed all of her major scenes in the movie. The director rewrote the script and used Natalie's younger sister, Lana, as a stand-in for Natalie's few remaining scenes. The film is dedicated to Natalie. Wow. I had no idea. It's amazing what they can do. In November of 2011, near the 30th anniversary of Natalie's death, her case was reopened by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department In 2012, her death certificate was changed from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. In February of 2018, the Sheriff's Department reclassified the death as suspicious and named Robert Wagner a person of interest, but he still has never been formally questioned. I wonder why they would do that. I'm going to get into it. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I guess no, I know. goes without saying. These are all of my questions that I had. Okay. There have been numerous individuals who have profited from the death of Natalie Wood. Mm. The captain of the Splendor, Dennis DeVerne, co-authored a book about his time with the famous couple and wrote about what he said happened that night. He was even given a polygraph and was found to be telling the truth. I think polygraphs are bull. That's just my opinion. I, I do not think that polygraphs tell you the entire truth. Yeah. Because you can be a sociopath and put things in your life into little tiny boxes and you can pass a polygraph with flying colors. Do you think that Dennis DeVern was a sociopath? sociopath? No, I just believe he believed what he thought was true. Okay. Possibly. But he was also drunk and he was also on something, I'm sure. Yeah. And when you tell a lie so many times, you start to believe that lie. Yeah. Or a half truth. If you tell a half truth so many times over and over again, you start to believe that truth or that half truth. It took him till 2011 to come out with his side of the story because he said he was scared of RJ. Huh. Natalie's youngest sister, Lana Wood, had written her own tell-all biography about her sister. For some reason, she really rubs me the wrong way. I've watched numerous interviews with her and started reading her book, but she just irritates me. (laughs) I feel like the death of her sister has kept her relevant. Lana was an okay actress when she was younger, but most of her early roles came from her sister's films. Oh, okay. Lana went on to have a decent career starring in over 20 films and over 300 television appearances. Oh, so wow. she has had a decent career yeah, for it sure. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. She was a Playboy Playmate in April of 1971 and starred as Plenty O'Toole in Sean Connery's last film as James Bond. Diamonds are forever. What? I totally, I totally That's her? That's her. Yep. Lana um, retired from acting after her sister died. 
and has zero relationship with Natalie's children or Robert Wagner. Like they dumped her pretty immediately after her death. Yeah. You watch interviews and they had nothing to do with her. Well, I bet if she comes across as accusational against Robert Wagner, I could see where he's like, oh, yeah, you're not part of her. You're not going to be part of her life. Right. But she does have a friendship with Dennis Deverne. Oh, see. And they make the true crime circuit on a regular basis. Any new documentary on this case, and they are right there getting their mics on. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I just have a hard time. I don't know why. They just rub me the wrong way, I guess. So they're profiting from it regardless if what they're saying is true. Right. People want to hear their side of the story for some reason. Oh, I mean, they want to because it's titillating. Yeah, and they get immediate recognition because she goes, you know, I'm Lana. I'm I'm her sister. Yeah. And then he goes, I was the captain of the boat. Yeah, I was the captain of the Splendor. So they they automatically get that uh, respect. Yeah, respect or notoriety. Notoriety. Whether good or bad, it's notoriety. In 2020, two witnesses came forward about the night of Natalie's death. They said they heard arguing and saw RJ and Natalie on the back of the boat at the swim step. One second, they were both there. And the next second, Natalie was gone. These witnesses have still not been named, but according to the witness on the sailboat, Marilyn Wayne, who heard a woman call out for help, it was a very dark night, and even with a spotlight, they couldn't see who was calling out. How could they actually see that then? Yeah, how could they have seen them on the back of the boat? Right. When you talk to or you read Marilyn's description of everything, yeah, and not, they were the closest boat. I'm not buying it because no. this the sheriff reinvestigating it in 2018, right? <laughs> yeah. And then mysteriously in 2020, there's new witnesses. Yeah, they who do, do not want to be named. By the way, yeah, they're just trying to get something mm-hmm. out of it. Right. Natalie Wood would have turned 78 this year. Robert Wagner is 91 years old and married another actress, Jill St. John, in 1990. They are still married. Jill helped to raise Natalie and RJ's other children. Wow. The Wagner family still maintains Robert Wagner's innocence, especially Natasha Gregson Wagner, who recently produced a documentary about her mother's legacy and that fateful night aboard the Splendor. She is adamant that her mom fell and drowned and that her daddy Wagner had nothing to do with her mother's untimely death. Whether or not you agree with any of that, please go and watch this documentary. It's actually, it's so good. And it's on HBO. There you go. And we're not sponsored by HBO. (laughs) No, but we have HBO. (laughs) Oh, we have it. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say what I think happened. Oh, good. This might be very controversial, but all my years of being an armchair detective gives me some clout. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be spot on. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's it's very, um, it's scary to tell people what you think. Oh, yeah. What you think happened, especially in such a famous case as this. So here we go. All right. I believe that Natalie was under the influ- influence of alcohol and heavy sleeping narcotics. The sound of the dinghy hitting the side of the boat was keeping her up, and she was already irritated with the men on that boat. She got up and put on that red-down jacket, walked out the back door of the cabin to the swim step, and was trying to tie that damn dinghy tighter so it wouldn't bang anymore. Natalie was able to get the dinghy untied, and in the process, 
lost her footing. She quite possibly hit her head on the hard plastic shell of the dinghy, maybe an oar, or even that swim step. The scratches on the inside and outside of that dinghy proved to me that she tried desperately to get in that dinghy, but I'm sure the weight of the jacket made that impossible. I think she either eventually went unconscious from the head trauma, exhaustion, or hypothermia, and didn't have the sense of mind to remove the jacket. You know, like remove the heavy jacket so you can climb into the dinghy. Right. And the reason her struggle wasn't heard by the men on the boat was because Dennis said in an interview I read that he was playing music in the salon. Her hands then slipped free and she floated away from the dinghy and drowned. Yeah, I I think that's plausible yes. for sure. Well, the reason that I read Dennis saying that he was playing music is because he was saying that the account of the woman on the sailboat, Marilyn, that that was wrong and that she probably heard his music that he was playing in the salon. Yeah, because music travels on water really, mm -hmm. really far. Yep. Because there's really nothing to stop it. So sound travels mm -hmm. much farther over water than it does on land. That's true. You want my opinion on something? Yes, please. It would be impossible for you to get out of a jacket like that in the water. Oh, you think? Yeah. Okay. So first okay. of all, she's got a lot of alcohol, probably a lot of pills in her. Mm -hmm. And then she panics in the cold water. Right. Even if you were of right mind, sober, had your wits about you in the daytime, it's almost impossible to take off something wet mm. because you would have to stop swimming to stay afloat in order to take it off. Oh, that's Which would true. mean you could slip below the water, which would make you panic even more which would make you even more tired and it would just keep doing that. So I think you're right. I think she just started panic trying to climb in and just scratching and clawing and trying to throw herself into the boat right? and just wore herself out until she drowned. Yeah. And she wasn't necessarily a strong swimmer is what I but read But they claimed well. that she couldn't swim. Who claimed that she couldn't swim? When it was told from... Um, Oh, shoot. I don't remember. You oh, told it to me. yes. No, you're right. No, that's not true because there's family video and they were always in the pool swimming. She could swim. Oh, so the, the fact that she did a movie and they cut out a swim scene because right. she couldn't swim is But it accurate? wasn't that she couldn't swim. She's just not a strong swimmer. Oh, okay. Right. All right. But you see video and even in that documentary with uh, her daughter that her daughter did, yeah. she could swim. They were always in the pool. Yeah. But she wasn't necessarily a, a strong swimmer. Yeah. Yes. Robert Wagner. Oh, wait, were you done saying that about the clothes? I was going to mention one other thing. I have done when I was younger where you're floating out in a lake and it was like part of like a survival if mm -hmm. you got thrown overboard. So we had to be wearing jeans. Oh, wow. And you take the jeans off while you're out in the water so you don't have any flotation device. You have to get the jeans off and then you lift them over your head and you tie off the legs. Uh-huh. So you basically create like a balloon you're, while, you're, while floating. you're treading Correct. water. So you're treading water with one hand while trying to take jeans off. Oh my gosh. And then you have to kick. So you gotta try and stay afloat just kicking your feet. Once you get the jeans off, tie off the legs, then you pull the jeans out of the water and pull them through the air as fast as you can. 
it's kind of hard to describe and pull it down into the water and it holds the air. It creates a big air pocket in the jeans. And when the jeans are wet, it basically seals up all the fabric. And then you now have like a balloon made out of your jeans. Right. Which is how they found her. Was right. the was the balloon the pocket made kind of a balloon? Correct. So now oh, that wow. is in a perfect situation, wow. and and I can tell you it took a lot of practice. took It took a bunch of tries to do that, and it's really hard to do. I can't even imagine. That makes me sweat just thinking about it. Yeah. So imagine someone who falls in. So you know, I was doing it knowing that's what I'm trying to do. Right. You know. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So for her to try and take that off, I think it's impossible. Yeah. In that situation, no way. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Robert Wagner and Dennis Deverne are very much at fault for not getting help immediately. As soon as they knew she was gone, one or both should have contacted help. Both of these men knew that she would never take that dinghy out on her own. RJ didn't want to alert the Coast Guard for fear of the press getting wind of the situation, which is extremely selfish. And Dennis Deverne sounds like he was just a weak and little man who was afraid to step up to RJ for fear of losing his job. Both were wrong, and I hope their decisions haunt them every day. Yeah, I concur. I'm very irritated right now. (laughs) My one and only question Well, I mean, I have a lot of questions, but this is like the big one and only. RJ said in his statement that he called a shore boat to come pick him up at the Splendor so he could look for Natalie and the dinghy at the boat slips near the restaurant. Wouldn't there be an official logbook or an eyewitness account that would corroborate RJ's story of looking for her and not Captain Dennis's statement that said that they stayed on the boat? You would think, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. There would be witnesses. There would be in witnesses. All, all those people, especially mm-hmm. one, because this would be in every headline news for a long time. Well, especially the driver of the shore boat that would have come to get him and from this, his boat. And this story would have gotten out to the island of Catalina immediately. Oh, yeah. There is not a single person in no, or, no or anyone that had anything to do with anything that happened on that island didn't know everything about this. Right. So right. if there was anyone that saw something, they would have come forward. Right. So I'm... I'm very disappointed in the medical examiner, obviously, that her fingernails were not scraped. I feel like if we had that eyewitness account of RJ going to shore, and if we had the evidence from her fingernails, that we would know exactly what had happened that night. All right. You ready for a fun fact? Always. All right. When Natalie's mom was young, she had gone to a gypsy and was told that her middle daughter would become a world-famous performer, but that she would die tragically in dark water. Stop. This legend is mentioned repeatedly in anything and everything related to Natalie Wood, and that Natalie was petrified of of the water. But I can only find one interview where Natalie states that she is apprehensive of dark sea and river water, but aren't most people... Hell yeah. I am. But if you were so scared and lived your life in fear of what a gypsy told your mother before you were even born, would you happily be on a yacht almost every weekend in the dark ocean going to and from shore in a dinghy? No. No, I don't think so. No, there's no way. Mm Mm-mm. And with all those home videos that I saw of her swimming and playing with her kids and all that kind of stuff, she was not scared of water. She was like most people, 
who didn't want to be swimming in dark water. Yeah, because you don't know what's under there. No, I'm scared to death of sharks. Yeah, oh, there's a meat. There's so many man-eating sharks there, <laughs> right under the shore, <laughs> under the water, in Catalina. Oh goodness! And we cruise a lot, so we are in dark water. Well, we used a to. A lot. We used to. Okay, true. So that scares the poo out of me. <laughs> yeah. But I still go. Right. I don't like to fly. But to have any sort of great and fabulous life traveling, you have to fly. So you get over that. Right. Okay. Thank you for agreeing with me. You're welcome. I hope other people agree with me too. No, there's, yeah, there, there's absolutely no way. Someone who is deathly afraid of water doesn't go anywhere near water. Right. That's just a fact. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Okay. I'm like nervous laughing, but okay. yeah, it's absolutely true. I must give some big props to a podcast I found after I thought I was done with my research. It's called Fatal Voyage, The Mysterious Death of Natalie Wood. It's a 13-part series. They share interviews with the people who were there that day Natalie died and give firsthand accounts. My takeaway was different than what I think they were trying to prove, but that might also be because I'm struggling with my belief in Captain Dennis's account and Natalie's sister Lana's theory. I feel like it's not genuine, but still, that might just be me. But this podcast was amazingly done, and the interviews that they got, I can't believe they got these interviews. And if you're really interested in this case, I highly recommend going and listening to this podcast. And then you take away with it what you think, because I took away with it what I think. Right. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So what did you think of my case? (laughs) Yeah, that's... Here's my quick take on it. Okay. Let's just assume Robert Wagner did it. Okay. As some people allege or are hinting at. Right. What did he do? Did he go and push her off and untie the dinghy and send them both away and then go back in the boat? Yes. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just whack her over the head and push Um. her in the water? There, like, why would he? Why would he untie the dinghy? Yeah, there are people that think that he actually planned this for a while, which just doesn't make sense to me. So I have an answer to that. I think. Okay, go. He is not that kind of guy. He's a guy that can't be alone for very long. He's a family mm-hmm. man. Uh huh. Yes. Right. When yes. you finished, he remarried. Yes. Because. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do well by himself. No. And he and his wife, Jill St. John, they started dating probably six months to a year after Natalie died. And she helped raise the the children. Because he cannot be alone. He's not one of those people. No. And there's there are people like that. Men especially, they Mm -hmm. just don't do well alone. They're not good single. Right. So why on earth would he want to kill her? They have already practiced divorcing. So they, if they don't, if they're tired of someone, they already know how to get rid of them. They divorce them. Yeah. And they were just starting to make really great money. Right. No, it it would not work in his favor to kill her and get away with it because now he doesn't have anyone to take care of the kids. Right. He could at least divorce her and then find someone better and then co-parent the kids with her. But now if he truly killed her on purpose he'd have even more work to do. Well, and the people closest to them at the time, which was their nanny, uh, Natalie's hairdresser, the driver, like all these people who they brought into their inner circle, 
You do not hear any of these people talking badly about Robert Wagner. None of them. I do not get the feeling from all this that he would do. I could see where he may, he could have done something differently or better mm-hmm. to find her. But yes. I don't think it was premeditated at all from his, from him or Christopher Walken. Well, that, and that's the thing. If Christopher Walken were to come out tomorrow and change his statement, then I would have doubt. I don't believe that Robert Wagner did it. Right. For sure. mm-hmm. And she was alive out away from their yacht in and around the dinghy. At some point. That she couldn't get into. Do you, and, right. and those things, wasn't it inflatable? It was an inflatable dinghy, but. Okay. But I've was, tried to get into one of those from the water. It's almost impossible. Okay, so they would take the dinghy to and from shore. And these are four grown adults in this dinghy. So it couldn't have been that small. No. I'm sure it wasn't a cheap dinghy. No, I would think that they spent some money on it. Yeah, I would think it would be hard plastic. Because this had to be towed behind the... um, The boat. The boat all the time. Mm -hmm. So it has to be really, really tough. Right. Oh, and the boat, the Splendor. It is now in a scrap heap. (laughs) Where was it before that? In Hawaii. It was basically abandoned in Hawaii, and they had left it there, and it built up all these fees for the um, harbor and all this kind of stuff. So they just towed it out, and now it is no longer in existence. Would you want it? No. 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 Just like I don't want to own a house that someone has been murdered in. But that's a house. I don't think I'd want an old boat. No. Or like the house. Everybody knows the Lizzie Borden story, right? I don't know who Lizzie Borden is. Crap, Daniel. Anyway, she supposedly killed her dad and her stepmom. Okay. And bludgeoned them to death. And they've turned this house into a bed and breakfast. (laughs) Okay, but then it has it has some um, relevance to it. Right, but I wouldn't want to own it. Yeah, but they own it, but then they turn it into almost a business. Yeah, but it's like, a, yeah, that's true. It's they like a haunted it. it's like a haunted bed and breakfast. I yeah, I mean when I say it out loud it kind of sounds cool. Would you buy like a known haunted building? Yeah, if I could turn it into something that would make money. Yeah. Sell tickets. Yeah, sell tickets. All right. Or like the Winchester Mystery House. Would you want to buy it and live in it? No. See? So there you go. I would live on the uh, property in a new house that I just built. Yeah. (laughs) That is the case of Robert and Natalie Wood Wagner. And I really hope that I did it justice and I worked really, really hard on this. No, you you kicked butt. That was Thank good. Thank you. And don't yell at me or come at me if you think that Robert Wagner did it. I don't know how. I don't know opinion. what else someone could come up with because I don't know. With all of that, it doesn't seem plausible. That, Nancy Grace, she thinks he did it. So okay, you know, but isn't I do love she, me some Nancy Grace? Yeah, but, but isn't I don't she agree. a little dramatic? Like she's gonna say things just to draw attention. Possibly, but I do I would. love me some Nancy, some Nancy Grace. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nancy, that I don't agree with you. It's okay. We're not all <laughs> supposed to agree. No, that's what makes the world go round. Sure. Yes. Okay, well, thank you for staying with us. I hope you enjoyed part one, and I hope you really enjoyed part two. Re- you can reach us on Instagram. That's like the best place to reach us. Yep. Till Death Do Us Part podcast on Instagram. 
We'd still love to do a quickie with our listeners. We don't know what that's going to look like. But if you have any sort of um, murder in your family or I don't know. Something goofy. Something goofy. Yeah. You know, we can lighten the mood a little bit. And you can send us something goofy about your family. That would be hilarious, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it would break it up a little bit. It would. It would break up the monotony of the murders. Yeah. Yes. I would love to hear that because everyone wants to know what other people have in their life going on. That's true. That's interesting. That's true. So. Yep. All right. Well, be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. Bye. Bye. Bye.